from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio at the Gas South Convention Center in Duluth, Georgia, welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women, proudly presented by NEMA and Sourced. And hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. This is the impactful series that salutes and recognizes women who are moving and shaking in our community. I am your host, Amanda Pierce Marmalejo, joined in studio today by Erin McCormick. She is the general manager for the Gwinnett Stripers. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thanks, Amanda. Glad to have you. I am sitting here, and I just have to fangirl for a moment for those actually watching live stream. Hey. Um, I'm wearing a jersey that you so kindly brought me. It is adorable and super flattering. Share with us the significance behind it because I know it has kind of like a retro vibe. Yeah, we actually, the players wore it last year, so this is the replica of the, the ones the guys wore. So it's based off of the League of Their Own jersey, the Rockford Peaches, but it's the County of Gwinnett Peaches instead. Oh, I love that, the Gwinnett Peaches. Yep. And I am excited to support it. So thank you for all the goodies that you brought. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with the Gwinnett Stripers who might be listening in a different area, share with us a little bit about the team and about your role um, within the organization. Yeah, we're the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves, so we're the last stop for the baseball players before they make it to the major leagues. So we see a lot of guys coming up through the system, a lot of guys on rehab or maybe um, coming back down as they're ending their career as veterans. Um, so we play at Coolery Field in Lawrenceville, a beautiful ballpark, capacity be about is about 10,000. And not a bad seat in the house. Easy parking, easy to get in, get out. Um, kids are safe there, lots to do. And you'll probably never sit closer to the future stars of the Atlanta Braves um, unless you got really good seats at Truist. Mm -hmm. So, uh, But as the general manager, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, I don't control player moves. People always ask about that. So I don't do anything with trades, contracts, players. We host the Braves players. Um, but Atlanta handles all of the movements and everything. I handle the ballpark, the logistics, so um, tickets, partnerships, operations, special events, uh, marketing, all of that for the ballpark. Well, that makes complete and total sense. As you know, I participate with the Gwinnett Young Professionals, and we have had many a, events there that were exciting, overlooking the field in your executive space, or the suites that you mentioned, yes. that are outfitted with all kinds of games and all kinds of eat and drink options. So that's really exciting. If anybody wanted to utilize that space, is it available for the public? To Absolutely. Yeah, we have um, a bunch of suites that are available for nightly rental, and like you said, they kind of diff have different experiences to them. Some of them have, you know, an Xbox or shuffleboard in them. Mm -hmm. Some of them are patriotic or um, Braves Hall of Fame themed. So, and those are available for meetings too. A lot of times pe people will rent them for the day as Ooh. a fun place to do a team building event for their office. Even when there's not a game? Even when there's not a game. I yeah. like that. We're there all, yes. all the time. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned it for those listening who might not have had a chance to put eyes on it or experience an event or a game there. You are correct. There isn't a bad seat in the house. Mm -hmm. I mean, the circumference of the stadium is just so complete. You can see stuff from every point of view. I was sharing with you before the show, I know a couple of people that live in the apartments. Because mm -hmm. so, again, those listening, it's like live, work, play as well. Mm -hmm. And you have a great view of the field from the back porch. Yeah, we've got we got a lot of really close neighbors, and they uh, they hang out at their pool and you know watch a baseball game while they're there. So it's it's nice having people around all the time. 
a hard life to learn. Yeah, I know. Eh? So tough. Well, for anybody out there wanting to learn more about how they can become involved or just participate, where can they go to find more? Ghostripers.com. And that's all of our social handles as well. Ghostripers. Ghostripers. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I would like to kind of learn a little bit more about Erin herself outside of the seat that you sit in as a general manager. Mm-hmm. So before the show, you and I were chatting. Your father is a Navy veteran and yes. you're wearing a Navy shirt today. Yes. It's our salute to Armed Forces tonight. So I'm representing dad. Dad. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your service, dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine in being a child of a naval um, officer, you moved around a lot. We did. I was born in the D.C. area. Um, my dad was in surface warfare, so we always stuck close to the ocean. Um, but he did a couple stints at the Pentagon, so that's where I was born. We moved to Florida, back to Virginia, and then finally to Texas, and he retired in Texas. So I was nine when we moved there, mm-hmm. um, so I pretty much grew up in Texas and went to school in San Antonio, so or college in San Antonio, uh-huh. so that's, that's my home. San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So, and well, it's funny because you brought a cowboy hat today. So <laughs> I did a nice <laughs> straw hat giveaway. Used so, to yeah. it. Um, share with us a little bit about what your life was like in Texas and and growing up there, and um, how you kind of got into the world of sports. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I love Texas. Um, it's you know God's country out there for me. And um, I always knew I wanted to work in sports. I played sports. I played basketball. I played. I went to college to play basketball. All five three of me. Um, but um, that, that wasn't going to be my professional career as a basketball player, for sure. Um, so I was just kind of curious about getting into the sports world. And at the time, a minor league team was opening in my hometown, Corpus Christi. So I asked to just meet with them and see what their life was like. And they ended up offering me an internship. Um, the team was owned by Nolan Ryan and his sons. So they were my first boss. And wow. they were uh, kind of a starry-eyed way to get into into the sports world. Um, but they are fantastic people, still friends with them to this day. And uh, when I graduated, they recommended me for a job with another team opening up in Arkansas. And I just kind of bounced around from there. I went to Memphis um, with the AAA of the Cardinals, the AAA of the Giants in Sacramento. Um, California just wasn't for me. <laughs> I missed home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Alabama for a short trip um, with the AA of the White Sox in Birmingham. Ooh. And... Um, met my husband there. He was my next door neighbor and then, um, moved over to Gwinnett here as the assistant GM. And when the GM left at the end of 2021, um, the Braves promoted me to general manager. So that's wow. my journey. Wow. That was, it was so, you took us through such a synopsis. Can we rewind just a bit? Yes. So, um, I didn't catch if we skipped over what you actually went to school for. Oh yeah. Was something sports related. Yeah. So I went to Trinity university in San Antonio. Um, there wasn't a sports program at the time there is now. So I majored, I double majored in communications and business with a concentration in marketing and I double minored in communication management and history. I just kind of wow. fell into the history one because that's, I'm, I love history. Fun. It's my passion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> history buff. Yeah. So uh, obviously military father, mm-hmm. a lot of World War II, Civil War history. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just kind of stayed active in college athletics and, and kind of the PR side of that while I was at Trinity and, mm-hmm. and parlayed that into a full-time role. Exciting. Mm-hmm. What was it kind of like navigating? I don't even want to throw the the uh, stigma of women in the sports arena because I believe that's not a relevant topic mm-hmm. anymore. Um, what was it like navigating through all those channels in order to reach the pinnacle that you're at here today? 
it was tough. Um, not going to lie. Early years were rough when I was young and you're trying to figure out, you know, your professional self in general. And then the microscope of being a female in sports was kind of thrown on top of that and not knowing, I mean, I'm a lot more confident in myself now than I was. And I think, uh, my, my 38 year old self would you know, react a lot differently to some things that happened than my 24 year old self. Um, and, and I was just talking to someone about this the other day that I think at the, at the time, you know, a lot of it boiled down to people wanted to know, like, was I in baseball? Cause I wanted to marry a player <laughs> or, you know, be close to right. guys All in tight guys. pants or yeah. something like that. And, um, I don't get that question anymore. I think people, you know, over the course of my career have have seen I'm serious about this. This is my job. This is my passion. But I think um, it was a little rough in the early stages by always having to validate Mm. my career and why I was there. Isn't that unfortunate? It is. Oh, did your husband even play baseball? He did not. And Dang he it. Couldn't, he could care less about <laughs> sports, about too. It. I'm the sports fanatic of our family, so. Where would you say your love and your passion kind of sprouted from? You mentioned that you played basketball, mm-hmm. so now here you are working for a minor league baseball team, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Um, so obviously there's a relationship as far as competition and, you know, games and stuff like that, but jumping from sport to sport and then finding your, your true passion lying within the baseball world. Mm-hmm. I think I could have fallen in love with the business side of any sport, but minor league baseball in particular, there's such a connection to the community and there's so much opportunity be, to be creative. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps me coming back and what gets me out of bed at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, people always ask, like, it's your goal to work for a major league team. I think it would be, if someone came calling, it might be hard to turn it down, mm-hmm. but I love it in yeah. the minors. I love, you know, being able to to have fun ideas and not have to run it up this huge flagpole mm-hmm. of, you know, corporate everything to be able to execute it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say excites you most about the future of the Strivers and about um, the role that you play? I think there's so much opportunity to um, to – uh, the evolution of the ballpark for the fan experience. I mean, things are changing all the time and we're looking at new group areas and can we put a pool in here and where Ooh. can we put a wiffle ball field for the kids? So it's not just like you build a ballpark and it sits there. Um, it's still a dynamic, ever-changing yes. building even. Um, and the franchise, I love working with our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, they energize me. They're fantastic people. Um, and watching them grow, I think, has been really exciting and being able to impact a different generation um, and making the sport better than when I came up in it. What advice would you give to a young lady out there who's listening who wants to become involved in the world of um, sports, you know, on a larger scale and possibly mm-hmm. assume some type of role similar to yours one day? I think raise your hand. Um, I think that's how I got involved, right? I just went and said, hey, I'm interested in this. What can you tell me? And it ended up in an internship, which has been a 17 year career for me. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes just raising your hand and saying, I'm interested in this, um, automatically people want to, you know, want to mentor you or be your advocate Mm -hmm. for that. Talk about the business side and it doesn't necessarily have to be about, um, the stripers specifically, but just throughout your tenure in the world of sports, you mentioned that you fell in love with the business side and I'm completely unfamiliar (laughs) other than basic business management that it might require. Mm -hmm. What do you mean when you say that? 
I mean, my track coming up was on the marketing side. So um, learning advertising business and placing ads and buying advertisement and strategy and campaigns. Um, that still and the consumer behavior behind how people act, I think, is still fascinates me. Um, I, I've found a love for the data side of things, too. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, zip code data and analytics and stuff like that is endlessly fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I obviously had to learn the financial side um, and that that's OK. Um, you know, putting together a budget isn't always my favorite thing or doing payroll is not always my favorite Same. thing. But they are. <laughs> yeah, they are um, honestly critical yeah. <laughs> to the business. Um, but just learning all the ins and outs and, you know, food and beverage side and par levels for your warehouse, um, you know, on kegs and stuff that you never would have thought you need to know. I found out the other day that crows like to eat the insulation on your air conditioners. Oh, so goodness. didn't have that on my GM bingo card. But um, now we're taking action against crows. So I, I think there's just, you know, there's never there's never a dull day. Dull moment. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. You mentioned community partnerships, and I know as a resident of Gwinnett County and as somebody who's super active within the chamber and all kinds of other community organizations, that that is truly something that is important to you guys um, as a whole. What do you find most rewarding about being so involved with the community and creating these large-scale and small-scale small -scale partnerships that you're responsible for? I think you can see it. I mean, especially on our level, it's so one-to-one -one when you're doing these community um, initiatives, you can, you can see the impact it has. You go out and do a school assembly and the kids are screaming their heads off for a groundhog mascot, you know, <laughs> chopper, the groundhog. Um, but it, it, you know, that they're going home and, and talking about it to their parents and how cool that was. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when you have the ability to let someone throw out a first pitch, or I think a lot of times we take for granted how cool it is even just stepping on the field. Um, you know, helping someone with a birthday party or meet a player or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. is, um, is always, is always really cool. And it, and you see, you get that immediate gratification from it. Oh, I love that. Well, it's obvious that you're passionate about what you do and making an impact and creating unique experiences. I'm curious, Erin, and for those of you just joining us on Celebrating Powerhouse Women, we're joined today by Erin McCormick. She's the general manager of the Gwinnett Stripers. Um, I'd like to know about one of your most memorable first experiences in the world of sports, not related to the Stripers, but as a youngster, you know, you mentioned playing basketball. What was it that clicked? When was it that clicked, that excitement, that, ah. Uh, that you can remember? I always really enjoyed being a part of a team, and that's why our parents wanted us to get into sports in general because there's so many life lessons about working together and, and teams and all of that. Um, I think, you know, I was, always, I was always athletically talented, but I think playing basketball, when I kind of found my niche and I was a, a three-point shooter and kind of specialized mm -hmm. in that, that... I, it kind of solidified my part on the team and I, uh, my cog in all of this and then how I could parlay that into being a team captain, a leader. Um, and I think those same life lessons continue as you develop a professional world, personal relationships, all of it. I would agree with you. And that leads to my next point, um, being involved with teams for such a long time in your life and still, you know, being heavily involved with not only the team of the Stripers, but your internal team. What are some qualities that stand out to you about leadership and about being a good leader for those who you lead? 
I think a lot of times um, being able to juggle, um, I think you probably get this all the time that people ask about your work-life balance and, you know, a woman and I have a one-year-old son and how do you do it? Um, But one of my um, good friends in the business always said, I hate that analogy because you automatically think of a scale, Mm -hmm. like justice scale. And when something's something's being dealt with, something else is is suffering. Um, So she always refers to it as juggling, like how many balls are in the air and, you know, nothing has to necessarily suffer. You don't have to drop it, but, you know, keeping, keeping those balls in the air and what's being prioritized. So I think that's important for anyone in our, on our team, in our industry Um, organization is obviously is key because there's so much going on, Mm -hmm. the ability to adapt. Um, you know, rain comes and how do you, how do you pivot what your best laid plans were or you, you develop something around a certain player and they get traded or they get called up or something like that. So I think the ability to adapt and, um, and just being able to, to relax, get away, find your, you know, we're not put on this earth to work. I have a very fun job that I love Mm -hmm. and enjoy, but, um, you know, I'm not on this earth to just work and, and make money and do nothing else. Be a mule. Exactly. We've all felt like that sometimes. Yeah. I really like what you said about the work-life balance. I hate that parallel as well. I refer to it more of an, as an integration Mm -hmm. because one has to integrate with the other. And I've heard that ball juggling reference several Mm -hmm. times. Who read that book? What book is it? For those of you listening, wherever that original (laughs) analogy came from, I would love to know because I'd like to read that book. Mm -hmm. Um, And as it was told to me, it was glass balls and rubber balls. Mm -hmm. And you have to choose which ones will bounce and the other ones will break and you can't let those go. Mm We're going to take a really quick break, but when we come back, I do want to talk to you about parenthood and a new new mom, being a new mom. We know running a business is hard. There are so many things that need to get done and you don't have the time, the resources, the experience, or you just don't want to do it yourself. At Sourced, we have your back. Office. We support leaders of companies with all their back office challenges that weigh them down. Whether it's accounting, talent acquisition, administrative support, marketing or human resources, our team of experts at Sourced will make your life easy and your back office effortless. To see how we can help you, check us out at GetSourced.com. NEMA is a full-service logistics company that provides trucking, warehousing, and expedited deliveries for the paper machine clothing industry. They offer a full line of services, including delivery within the 48 contiguous states, Canada, and Mexico, plus importing and exporting, air freight forwarding services, foreign trade zone warehousing, and many more services to handle your global logistics needs. NEMA is a proud sponsor of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women podcast series. All right, folks, and welcome back to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. I'm your host, Amanda Pierce Marmalejo, joined in studio today by the general manager of the Gwinnett Stripers, Erin McCormick. And before the break, we were talking about a variety of things. And now I kind of want to jump into motherhood, motherhood, excuse me, motherhood, you know, um, I am not a mom myself, but I am curious because you have a child who just celebrated and for a first birthday, correct? I did, yes. And you considered that a personal achievement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're talking, I like, it's more for me and my husband, right? We kept him alive for we a year. Did so it. yeah. How did that kind of play into, you know, people, some people plan for children and families, some people just by half and chance and they roll with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you project creating a family at this time in your career or life? Or is it something that, you know, just kind of you guys are 
just riding, yeah. riding out <laughs> what the good Lord yeah. gave you. I mean, um, I did get married older in life, so I'm 38, and um, our our wedding got a little bit delayed because of COVID, so we got married even later than we mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, so we knew we wanted to be parents, and there there was no time like the present, so went for it. I actually, um, the week that I uh, that I found out I was being named G, uh, GM of the team. I found out that our team was being sold from the Braves to a private franchise. Um, I found out that my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and she's fine now. She's, okay. she's in remission. Um, two days later, two days after that, I found out I was going to be named GM. And then, um, three days later when I was interviewing with the new ownership group, um, I found out I was pregnant. Oh my so gosh. all within a week was like all the life changing things. And it was like, okay, let's go. And my husband was out of town hiking in the Cascade mountains with no cell, cell phone cell service. service. <laughs> so I and everything is happening to you. Yeah. Um, so that was a heck of a week, but, uh, yes, we did, we did want to be parents and, um, you know, so it happened at a crazy time and I took my first season as general manager, um, and went on maternity leave a month and a half into it and came back with one week left in the season. So I kind of missed a lot of it. Um, but honestly the timing in hindsight couldn't have been more perfect that I don't know if I could have had a kid earlier in my career, not having the financial stability, not having the ability to kind of make my own rules Mm -hmm. about, you know, my, my son comes to the office with me every day. Um, so that, that ended up being a blessing. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And good for you. And I don't, I don't know. I, I was recently married too and I'm 37. So, <laughs> Hey, for all of you listening out there, it happens whenever it happens. And it's and always no good. shame in the game. <laughs> yep. Yes. Well, that's so exciting. That is it. Do you have a son or a daughter? A you son. Your son. Grady. So Grady, he's going to get to kind of grow up and, and see all the fun stuff with he you guys. Is. Yeah. For the first nine months I had a crib in my office when I came back from maternity leave and he hung out with me all day. Now he has a nanny, but she watches him at the ballpark. So I still get to see him every day, which is pretty special. Does he have a striper's onesie? <laughs> he does. <laughs> yes. Had to have it. Yes. You mentioned your husband was on some uh, hiking journey. What mm-hmm. does your husband do for a living? He's uh, in construction. Mm-hmm. So in home building and kind of a project manager in that, but we both share a passion for hiking and outdoors. And we've uh, just recently went on a very delayed honeymoon um, to the Galapagos. So Ooh, we had a great trip there. Galapagos Island. Mm-hmm. Did you do hiking there? We did. We hiked a volcano, 10-mile hike. So wow. It was great. And is that something that kind of brought you guys together when you came into each other's world? Or is that something that you developed a love for um, collectively? I think I think I, he was definitely more into it than I was. But one of the first things when we started dating is we planned a trip to Nepal and went and hiked the Himalayas for Ooh. five days. So... Um, uh, it was, it was a shared love after that. I think. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. Well, hopefully yeah. you guys will continue your your hiking. I hope so. I know there's lots of beautiful trails. I live in the um, Flowery Branch area and headed like around the lake. There's yeah. lots of gorgeous hiking paths. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to explore them myself, but I do see people doing it. <laughs> um, I want to ask you a couple like just random questions and see how you respond, if that's okay. Okay. So you were talking a lot about leadership and adaptability and flexibility. So my question to you is, what does being resilient mean to you? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, like the easy answer is that you keep getting up, right? Um, But I think that that is, that's within a framework that um, just being, just getting up and, and continuing is not everything. It's kind of working towards that change as well. Like, okay, that happened, that sucked, 
but what am I going to do different to make sure it doesn't happen again? Am I going to change my environment? Am I going to change what I did, what someone else did? Am I going to address a problem? Um, because I don't think uh, just taking it or, or and just you know getting up, dusting yourself off, and doing doing everything again is helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think that adaptability is a crucial piece of being resilient. I agree with you. Are you able to share a time throughout your career where you had to overcome an obstacle that you definitely remember was a challenge? And now looking back hindsight, you're like, wow, I did that. There's probably been so many. <laughs> I think, um, you know, even getting to the GM role, which was always my goal, like seemed so unreachable for so long. And even in baseball, I mean, there's a finite amount of teams and, you know, there was a good old boys group of men who were running teams and they kind of stay in that role till they die. So some of it is just like twiddling your thumbs and waiting for something to change. Um, but I think if, if there was like an aha moment, I think it was when I was in Sacramento um, and I, I was watching my peers um, careers progress and mine didn't feel like it was progressing at the rate that theirs was even though we were doing all the same things we were being treated the same we were being you know I was in all the all the meetings but their their titles were rising and mine weren't mm -hmm. and that's when I just started like we were talking about raising my hand mm -hmm. and saying um you know we we're taking our food and beverage in-house I raised my hand and said I want to be a part of this um we had a change in our in our baseball operations department and I said I want to be involved even if it's not just reporting to me. And that's when I really saw my career kind of skyrocket. That's when I started um, being in the room, in the conversation for things. And so, I mean, that's always my advice to people is speak up. Speak up, raise mm -hmm. your hand. I like that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it has served you well throughout your <laughs> career. It has. Well, yeah, on the second half of it <laughs> so far. Yeah. I'm curious, and this can just be in your life as a whole because you've had such a wide spread of experiences. Name or share a like bizarre, a bizarre instance that you've encountered, maybe with an athlete or a pickle you were in, or like you were saying, uh, it was raining and you had to pivot it at the field or just something parenthood or life in general. I think, I mean, there's always those random things, right? Like the crows. Um, but that was I, crazy. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Um, but I think one of the, uh, one of the things that happened early in my career that I, that I point to, um, Obviously, the education you know I got in college is helpful, but it doesn't teach you how to entertain people during a rain delay. Or um, at at that first job, we were doing a giveaway of clocks, and uh, almost all of our giveaways come from overseas, from you know China, Japan, something like that. And so they come on on ships into mm -hmm. ports. And this this giveaway of clocks. Um, they had already put the batteries in it. So this huge shipment pallet shows up at a dock in LA and it's ticking. And so oh my gosh. it got flagged um, by the Port Authority and therefore did not make it to the ballpark in time for the giveaway. So we kind of had to pivot. But uh, I mean, that was a heck of a life lesson learned to make sure that. that, you know, nothing arrives ticking to a, uh, to a port. To a port. <laughs> yeah. I bet that was an interesting call that you received. Yeah. Uh, Ma'am, your shipment is, yeah. we're going to have to break it open instantly. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be delayed. So. <laughs> 
That's really cool. What is one of the best sports experiences that you've had? Because you've had a chance to meet so many incredible people and do so many fun things. What is just paramount in your mind? It has been. Um, I mean, the early days having Nolan Ryan as a boss was so cool. And he would take our staff and we would just go to his ranch and have a nice team building day and his wife would make peach cobbler and Nolan would be on the grill. And that was just like kind of a surreal other side to the sports world, you know, just they're knowing these human beings who are these bigger than life um, personalities. But I mean, most recently the Braves winning the world series, that oh, was exciting, obviously pretty cool and being at all the games. Um, and then we had our ring ceremony um, on opening night last year, and I was nine months pregnant at the time, <laughs> and so those pictures are cool to look back on as like a right. Wow, you know, I'm wearing a World Series ring with you know just and Grady with a giant, was in my belly. yeah, a giant balloon of a belly. So that that's pretty fun. You were there, son. Yeah. If you could give our listeners some advice about perseverance or just kind of accelerating their career or becoming involved, aside from um, what you really emphasized, raising your hand, which I love, what is something that you can share with our listeners that would help them um, continue in their personal or professional growth? I think it's always looking towards um, who can I help in this, right? Like I... Uh, you know, I I obviously worked very hard to become GM, but there was people that were pivotal in that in that process. And I think just because I'm here doesn't mean that I can't be helping people as well. And whether that's just being someone they can call and talk things through, a mentor, um, you know, making sure that if someone's quiet in a meeting, I call on them and their voice is heard. Mm -hmm. I think it's being aware of, you know, you're not in this vacuum alone and how can yeah. you you know, without, without people helping me, maybe I wouldn't be where I am. So how can I help someone else get there too? reach back? I love that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned mentorship and that's great. Cause that's exactly where I was going next. <laughs> uh, you just shared that you're open to mentoring folks. Um, but I'm curious as to who has been impactful in your life and throughout the development of your career, who might you consider a mentor or I've just learned the word sponsor and there's a difference between a sponsor and a mentor, mm -hmm. but who would you say that, um, was influential throughout your growth? I think the general manager in Sacramento, and he's still there, uh, Chip Maxson, he, he really helped um, me personally and professionally grow. He helped me with a lot of self-reflection. And, um, you know, there were some frustrating times where I couldn't understand why people were seeing me a certain way because that's not how I viewed myself. And I had to, you know, think about why that was and come to the conclusions and then vocalize to them like, hey, here's here's my process. Here's why I'm asking so many questions. It's because I want to understand it fully before. It's not because I doubt you or I think my idea is best. And I think that that really helped me um, just, just know myself better and know how to project that to other people. And he's still, you know, the person that I call when I have, when I have questions. And then, um, the GM before me in, in Gwinnett, Adam English, he's in Nashville now with the ball club there. Ooh. Um, he's still one of my best friends. We worked together in Sacramento for chip. Mm -hmm. And when he came to Gwinnett, he hired me. Um, and he's, he's still one of my best friends to this day. Well, shout out to those gentlemen <laughs> for helping pave the way. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting what you just said about self-reflection. And I think it's really interesting when people try to do that because there's different variations of ways that people reflect. You can really kind of peel back the layers and get uncomfortable and have that self-awareness moment. Or you can just kind of laissez-faire 
you know, skim across the top. Mm -hmm. You mentioned changing people's view of you because that's not how you view yourself. That's something I struggle with mm -hmm. personally. So in your overcoming of that, what is something that you would recommend to me specifically to help with that metamorphosis? I mean, I had to go back and find the root of it, right? Um, my dad, Navy captain, um, he would always pose something to us at, at dinner time, me and my sister, uh, just like a random question, and we had to we had to argue a side of it, and he didn't care who was right and who was wrong. He just wanted to make sure that we had thought things through well. And so it was like, you know, I'm asking all these questions because that's how I was taught from birth to approach any situation. And even if I'm not vocalizing, I'm doing it in my head. I'm going mm -hmm. point counterpoint in my head before something. Um, but understanding that that's not how it was being perceived by people, um, because I thought, you know, you know, people, I'm a redhead. People always say, you know, oh, you're stubborn. And I was like, I'm, but I'm not. <laughs> and it, but and for, for so long, I just leaned into it of like, yeah, I'm stubborn. Mm -hmm. But like, it took a minute to to stand up and say, I'm not. I'm just trying to understand. Um, so I think for me, it took a lot of looking way back and saying like, how do I see myself? How are people seeing me? And having a lot of really frank, honest conversations with people like Chip and Adam. And, and then when I, when I was able to verbalize why I was the way I was and why the perception was different, I wrote them all a note and I explained it. And like, I think they still have that note to this day. And they wow. were just like, that totally changed our relationship. And, you know, they use it as an example for other people too about, you know, how to work together on a team and understand people better. I'm writing ferocious <laughs> notes, understanding differences. Um, very, very good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's something that I, I look forward to um, overcoming myself. You're mm -hmm. like, <laughs> thank you. I might yeah. holler at you. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned before the show that, that how we would kind of wrap up is you to give some final words of wisdom. And I told you our time would fly by so quickly. It did. I'm so glad that we got to enjoy some time together. Yeah. Uh, final words, final thoughts to leave with our audience. There's a quote that I always love um, that is predicting the rain doesn't count, building an ark does. And that has served me well in so many assets of my life and just not looking, you know, at the day to day, looking at the big picture, um, making sure that you're prepared, making sure that you have plans A, B, and C. I think that's part of my nature as a planner. Um, but it, I, I would leave that with anyone of like, don't get to that moment and say, uh-oh, it's raining, we're flooding, yeah. um, you know, ha have your arc ready and whatever that is, if that's your network of people, if that's your, your professional, your personal life, um, be ready. And she said it, predicting <laughs> the rain doesn't count, building the arc does. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Erin. Yeah. Um, you guys out there listening, you know that you can catch us live every Friday at 11.30 a.m. on businessradiox.com. You can also subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. I listen on iTunes. Um, you can listen on Spotify. Uh, simply type in Celebrating Powerhouse Women and look for the Rosie the Riveter icon. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to have a five-star review. Um, for our guest today, Erin McCormick. For our producers, Mike and Dan, I am your host, Amanda Pierce Marmalejo, and this is Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X. <laughs>